4: This is the Greg Peterson Experience right here on VEASAN, the Sports Bank Network, and we've got a tremendous show for you As We're going to be hitting on a little bit of everything. We've got some UFC this week. On top of that, we're going to be taking a look at a World Cup that is going to be starting up in a week and a half. We're also going to be taking a look at the NBA, college basketball, Thursday Night Football, the NFL Week 10 slate as a whole, college football. So there's something for everyone on this Greg Peterson Experience Edition, and We're going to be leading it off in about 15 minutes by talking a little college football. Tom Casale does great work at Action Network and Mark Drumheller. He does a terrific job over there at Yahoo Sports. They're going to be joining me. They're going to be taking a look at what we're getting in college and then take a look at some NFL And with Mark as well. We've also got a big UFC card, so we're also going to be talking UFC with him as well towards back half the hour, so there really is something for everyone. And our number two, Action Network's very own Brandon Anderson is going to be joining me man that much like myself has ties to a D3 university and he's going to be talking to me a little bit about this NFL card for this week. We're going to talk a little NBA with him and then we're going to keep the NBA chatter going in hour number three as Brian Thomas and Scott Reichel are going to be joining me. Brad has a little bit of a World Cup future that he's going to be sharing with me. We're also going to be talking with those two gentlemen all about what we're seeing in the NBA. A few picks for Thursday. We're going to be taking a look at college football and the NFL as well. So we've got everything covered there. And you've got a lot to take away from this Wednesday. And I think the biggest takeaway from Wednesday is taking a look at some of these very interesting spots. That sports always presents to us. It's big brother versus little brother, sometimes within the same city. I'll get to that in a minute, but a lot of times in the same state. Like as I am doing this right now, you've got the Clippers versus the Lakers game that's going down, and I think that many of us would agree this is a Lakers team that it's very, very sad to see what we've gotten out of them at this point. It's not a great ordeal whatsoever, but still. Even with that, the LA Clippers, you got to feel like every single time they take the floor against the LA Lakers, they've got something to prove and as I am doing this right now, the Clippers are currently up by 12 points with about 7:35 remaining. I will let you know how that finishes out, but we certainly have that example. You're typically able to find it in college football all the time where you do have things like a intercity or an interstate battle like Myself coming from Wisconsin, you find like the good old Wisconsin versus Marquette game every year. Typically a team like Wisconsin, they're going to be willing to give. A team like a UW-Green Bay, a UW-Milwaukee, sort of that test as well. We see it in the NFL with things like the Giants and the Jets. You're going to find it probably with the L.A. teams in future years as well, though. As we know, a lot of times with the L.A. teams, they don't necessarily get as great of attendance for their home team. As you would expect from some of the teams out there in the Midwest, the Northeast part of the country, but certainly always something to take a look at. And I think that these are some of the most intriguing spots in all of sports. And we always look for underdog spots, a chance to be able to take a team to be able to win outright. And I do think that these are some of the best of them because we're able to gauge everything in terms of the metrics, in terms of what we see on the spreadsheet. You're able to go down the list of the advanced metrics that you're able to take a look at and you're able to gauge, but One thing that you really can't put into any sort of an algorithm to try to spit out, it's just the motivation that you have being the smaller team in a city or being perhaps the overlooked team in a city because I brought up the example of the Clippers and the Lakers. Lakers are clearly the worst team, but they are the bigger name team right now, and I do think that that is always something to take a look at, but we saw that in college basketball on Wednesday as well, and it's a big reason why I really like the play that I gave out on this show yesterday. And, the betting market, they really like this play as well, and it did come through. That would be the Bellerman versus Louisville game. I know that before me, Femi Abefe, along with our good friend Wes Reynolds, they do a great job of live bet tonight. They had you guys covered towards the end of that game. And if you had the under in this game as well, that was an almighty sweat. So good on you if you were able to get in there on that one as well because I thought that this was going to be a lower-scoring game. It did come through and for Louisville. They opened up in some spots when I came on the show, as much as a 12 to 12 and a half point favorite. That was a little bit too demonstrative. Overnight, that moved about 9 to 10. And then here today, it closes more around 7 to 8. And Louisville, they come up complete and utter snake eyes as Bellerman. They win it outright by a count of 67 to 66. Big reason why I like this game was for one Louisville is one of the worst power conference teams in all of college basketball. They should be very thankful that Oregon State currently exists because Oregon State is terrible. Louisville is terrible. Georgia Tech is going to be in for a long year as well. I actually think Georgetown might be a little bit better this year, though. That game against Coppin State, that was not necessarily too terrific for them, but on top of just Louisville, Stinking up the joint, to say the least. You knew that Bellarmine was going to be up for this game because this was their third year at the Division I level. They were a Division II power for a very, very long time, and they're actually based out in the same city as Louisville. This is probably a circumstance where a lot of these guys for Bellarmine, they were like, man, I've been overlooked by schools like a Louisville because a lot of Bellarmine's roster, they come from the great state of Indiana, Indiana. Pretty close to Kentucky. They're right at the same neighborhood, actually. If you take a look at the city of Cincinnati, that is right on the border of Indiana and Kentucky. I know I'm showing off my tremendous geography here, but that it. you have a lot of guys that they got a little bit overlooked, and they're able to prove something, and they were able to do so in a big way and I always think that this is something that you need to keep in mind when it comes to your handicapping because it is so important to be taking a look at just the overall efficiency you want to be taking a look at all those advanced stats when you are like laying six points with the team are they actually going to be able to make their free throws to be able to get it done if they're in a little bit of a tighter game to be able to close it out and get you that cover those are all things that are massively important when it comes to handicapping but gauging things like motivation gauging where the headspace of some of these guys are at as well. I mean, look no further than in the NFL, Tom Brady and everything that has been going on with him. That is right now playing a little bit of a part of this. I've mentioned this a few times on the show, but I am someone that does a show from midnight to three Eastern time, nine o'clock to midnight Pacific time. And I know that I'm talking to a lot of people out there that you work a little bit more of a graveyard shift. And I commend anyone that does because Graveyard shift workers, they're the backbone of America. There are not too many people that want to take a shift like that. And there are some of us hardy souls out there that do it. Everyone behind the scenes, I will give them a little bit more credit a little bit later, but they do an amazing job as well. Not the easiest shift to take, but you're just in a case where you want to find motivation whenever you come into work, whether that's being a sports talk radio shows, whether that be a professional athlete, whether that be, Maybe someone that is having to be open a little bit later on. If you're working a store for Christmas hours, I have actually worked five years at a TJ Maxx. You're looking for any way possible to be able to find motivation when you get in. When you're playing against a little bit of a bigger name school inside of your city, that'll give you some motivation. Dealing with things in your outside life, like Tom Brady has been, things like this. That's demotivating. That takes you away from the task at hand. And I always think that these are things that are very important. And it's always a fine balance because there's no one set way to be able to weigh out the two. The metrics that you want to be taking a look at, how a team is shooting from three-point range versus a three-point shooting percentage of a team when it comes to basketball, when it comes to football, how a team shuts down a run versus a team that runs the ball quite heavily and has that as their bread and butter things of that nature, you always want to be weighing that out, but you always want to be taking a look at the little bit of a psyche of a team. Like One of the most intriguing things that we always find when it comes to sports is when a coach gets fired, typically the team rises up, they rally around the interim coach. We've got one of those ordeals in the NFL as well this week with the Indianapolis coach. With the Indianapolis Colts coming in and they've got Jeff Saturday in the fold and a very unprecedented move, him going from ESPN, actually a analyst that I liked, I will call it what it is, I thought that he did a solid job breaking down the game, so he clearly knows something about football, but now he has to go into a role that he hasn't done really other than coaching up some high school kids, which it's good that he has a little bit of experience, but... A rather strange move. You see it a little bit more in the NBA with someone like a Steve Nash coming in and coaching up the Brooklyn Nets. We saw the disaster that was. Meanwhile, someone like a Steve Kerr, who was a little bit of a front office guy but really didn't have a lot of head coaching experience. He went from going in the booth, calling games for TNT, and he went down onto the court, and he's become one of the best coaches that we have seen in a very long time in the NBA. So you've got so many things that are at hand at play and I do think that that's what makes things so intriguing and it's why you see varying opinions and it's all about just taking a look at the track record of some of these and also taking a look at just the way that things play out as well because I feel like a lot of times when it comes to handicapping we are prisoners of how the game shakes out and no doubt the actual score that you see that is what bases your bet as to be a winner or a loser in the case of the props, just how many total yards are gained. But I do think that a lot of times we do need to take a step back and not just take a look at the final score, but just take a look at how that score comes to be because I prop up my Bellarmine win, and that was something that was very nice. But I also thought that we were going to be seeing a cover from Boise State. Boise State, they lose the game outright against South Dakota State, but I also take a look at the box score, and I realize, okay, this was Probably not the world's greatest call, but at the same time, when you see something like South Dakota State get one offensive rebound in the game, they – get outshot from the field by a count of 54 to 46, but they went 7 of 18 from 3. Obviously, South Dakota State, they've led all of college basketball in terms of 3-point shooting percentage last season, but you also see on the flip side the fact that Boise State, they went 4 of 19 from 3-point range. Boise State had 5 fewer turnovers as well. It makes you feel like, okay, this was a night where shots weren't falling for Boise State, shots were falling for South Dakota State. We need to take that into account when taking a look at both of these teams moving forward and you want to see if it's a little bit of a trend in terms of Boise State being absolutely terrible from three-point range. South Dakota State, a known good three-point shooting team, but probably a little bit better than what you'd expect, especially coming up against a Boise State team on the road. Tough place to play, a very tough defense in general as well. So there's always so many things to take a look at, but always trying to find maybe that edge that, Typically, you're not going to find in terms of the raw stats themselves. I do think offers a lot of value. Something else that offers a lot of value. Talking to Tom Casale of Action Network, I'm Mark Drummeller of Yahoo Sports. These guys are amazing at taking a look at football. I'm going to be talking some college football with them next. Right here on the Greg Peterson Experience on Beeson, the Sports Bank Network. Watch football with a little bit more on the line by playing for free in the Guinness Time Challenge. Just visit DraftKings.com slash Guinness, set your lineup, and watch the action unfold as you play for your share of $115,000 all season long. Guinness, made of more terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions. They do apply. See DraftKings.com for details. As per usual, please do drink responsibly. As we're back here on the Greg Peterson Experience on VEASAN, the Sports Bank Network, and great to be joined by our guests as... We've got Mark Drummeller. He does absolutely terrific work over at Yahoo Sports. And then we've got Tom Cassell. He does amazing work when it comes to taking a look at things at Action Network. And first things first, Tom, you wear the best shirt that has ever been seen on the Greg Peterson Experience. You've got the Minion shirt on. So thank you so much for doing so. We appreciate it.
5: You know, Greg, I, uh, I knew you always use the, the, the minion gif on, uh, on Twitter. And I said, I was looking for a shirt to put on and I said, I'm going to wear this one for Greg tonight.
4: I absolutely love it. And. Hopefully we're gonna be cheering about this one because we've got a lot that is gonna be going down on what is gonna be a rambunctious college football Saturday. And I will start with you, Mark, on this. How about it's how about going with the battle of the state of Texas? TCU versus Texas. Right now we're finding Texas as a touchdown favorite. TCU propped up in the college football playoff rankings as a number four team, but They've got a lot of landmines if they're going to be looking to get to the college football playoff. But take me through this one because I think that this is one of the most interesting games on the card.
7: Yeah, Texas, really great on paper, right? That's what we know. Awesome roster, top to bottom. But when they get on the field, it's a different story. They tend to never seem to meet expectations. And I just think that this is a very wide number here. Um, I get that TCU probably doesn't belong in the top four Um, But, you know, they find ways to win. And you have a Texas team that just finds ways to, you know, blow leads. Um, You know, they're three and three against the spread in conference play. So they just never seem to kind of meet expectations. And I think getting the key number seven here, um, this is just way too wide of a line. I like TCU. They find ways to win. Texas finds ways to lose. They always seem to blow these leads. You know, I feel like at the end of the game, they're going to go to the sidelines. It's going to be like the Scooby-Doo mask. They're going to pull it <laughs> off Sark, and it's going to be Josh McDaniels from the Raiders. You know, another guy who can't keep a lead. And it just seems like that's what it's like for the Longhorns. Like, you always say week in and week out. They're going to show it. They're going to get it done. But the, I, that defense, I, I can't see them winning with margin here. So I'm happy to take the seven points.
4: And many of us thought that Josh McDaniels was fired as well due to the Twitter verification thing that had everyone fooled too. So I mean, man, it is all coming full circle right now. And it's all coming full circle on this game because Tom, I know that you're taking a look at the battle of disappointment out there in the SEC, Texas A&M on the road against Auburn. Both of these teams are three and six Auburn fires. Brian Harson a few weeks ago, not going well for either team. Auburn, Right around one and a half point favorite. It's close to a pick with Auburn being a very slight favorite. What side do you look at here? Because, man, more was expected out of both of these teams coming into the season.
5: Yeah, and the thing is here is I think Texas A&M is just a corpse right now. Uh, They had the issue last week with with the flu and all. You got to wonder, Greg, one of the things I like to do later in the season if a team was a championship contender, you know, thought of going into the year and they're having such a bad season, that's a lot different than a than a normal team having because they thought they were gonna legitimately compete for a national for a college football playoff spot. Everything's gone wrong for the Aggies, right? Everything. Then you look at Auburn with a new coach, they had a new energy last week. They almost pulled that game out. You know, I just feel like right now. Auburn's a team that's actually still playing for their coach. They're still involved. They still want to win games. I just can't even imagine what those Texas A&M practices look like right now. So I think Auburn on the short number at home gets the win and uh, Aggies losing streak continues.
4: Yeah, it's been a rough one for the Aggies. As, I mean, man, I didn't think that they were as good as a lot of people were pointing yeah. out towards beginning part of the season. I didn't think that they were three and six bad, so... Not a great ordeal there. And then I know that you, Tom, have another play out there in the SEC. It's the South Carolina versus Florida game. Florida's currently an eight-point favorite with a total of 59. And for South Carolina, I've liked what I've seen out of them. Spencer Radler clearly has not lived up to the billing that we had for him in recruiting a few years ago. But that said, they've been able to do a nice job. Defensives looked relatively solid. And for Florida, I just don't know where we're going to be able to get week in and week out. Honestly, the Utah win that they had in week number one still one of the more impressive things that I've seen this season. They've had a couple of closer losses. The loss to Georgia, honestly, not one that looks too bad at this point, but I have a tough time being able to figure them out, and I just think that north of a touchdown is a little bit too lofty
5: know I agree this is my favorite play of the week you know you remember Florida we just mentioned they beat a Texas A&M team that had uh you know a flu I don't know it's like uh you know my my cousin Vinny that I was just watching you know the, the whole store had the flu like apparently the whole Texas A&M uh, team had the flu last week so Florida got a got a game last week I think that you know suited them but I just think they're overvalued in the market you look at it, a team that was favored over LSU a couple weeks ago an eight point favorite I just haven't seen enough from Florida to be an eight-point favorite and when you struggle to stop the run like Florida does it's hard to cover more than seven points so you know I think Beamer Magic they they're good underdogs I think they can cover this number
4: yep and to quote the great movie My Cousin Vitty I don't know if I'm necessarily the Mona Lisa Vito when it comes to this team but that said we're going to be diving into it because, Mark, you've got a little bit of play here as for Florida State, they're going to be on the road facing off against Syracuse. Florida State having a nice year. They're back in the top 25, finding themselves as a seven-point favorite. Intriguing spot here going up against the Syracuse team that they were looking good coming into the season, but I felt like it was a little bit of a charmed run for them at the beginning part of the season, and feels like the air has just completely gone out of the balloon for the Orange.
7: Yeah, we have two teams really heading in opposite directions here. It's like Syracuse, you know, they cashed Tom's win total ticket and decided to take the rest of the season <laughs> off, right? You're seeing them really kind of fall apart here down the stretch, especially in the trenches. And, you know, Florida State, I like what Norvell's doing, the way he's building that culture. You've seen them. Like, they had a tough part of their schedule. Clemson had tough loss. NC State, right? Real tough games, especially the way they lost those games. And then you see them bounce back with dominance, right? And they beat up on teams they're supposed to beat up on. Georgia Tech. You know, Miami, 41 to 3, 45 to 16. So that's what you want to see out of a team. And and I think they're getting another team here, Syracuse, to just kind of trying to finish out the season here. And I think that they're going to make an example of them again Um, I think they're the better team in the trenches. The Orange obviously banged up on the defensive line. And I think Syracuse still a little bit overrated um, in the market. You know, a lot of people point to that Clemson game. Clemson, obviously not what we thought they were. Found that out last weekend. And, you know, Syracuse kind of got that game gift wrapped. A bunch of turnovers, four turnovers, I think it was from Clemson. So um, I think they're a fade here. I like Florida State laying the road chalk. Um, I think they cruise another dominant victory. It'll be their third straight.
4: Yep, and for Florida State, they've been able to tighten up quite a bit on defense here towards back half of the season as well. And just a strange card in general this week because we've got an Arizona versus UCLA game that has a total of 77 and a half. And Tom, I know that you're looking at the opposite of this as we've got Wisconsin versus Iowa, a total that opened up at 36, has been steamed down to 35 with Wisconsin being between a one and a one and a half point favorite Needless to say, I don't think we're going to see a lot of offense in this game, which means that points are going to be at a premium. And with Iowa being a home underdog against Wisconsin team, that they've been one of the most befuddling in all of college football. I think there might be a little bit of value here with the home underdog.
5: Yeah, I tried to figure a way I could ruin my entire Saturday, and I thought, you know what, I'll bet Iowa football. That that You know, uh, uh, you know, people make fun of us, Greg, for betting, like, you know, Youngstown State, Canisius, and all those crazy teams. I'd rather do that than bet Iowa football. That's a headache. <laughs> but I agree with you. I just think they should be about a two- or three-point favorite in this spot. And now they're getting a point-and-a-half it's one of those games I think Iowa's defense can can stop the Wisconsin running game make the make Mertz beat them the quarterbacks and it's going to be ugly but I just for me the value and I've I have I bet Iowa once early on this season and I said I wouldn't do it again but reluctantly I hit submit on the button so Mm -hmm. I'm going with the Hawkeyes slight home underdog uh it might not be watching that game might not even be worth the money I win if I win it
4: Oh man, there are just some of those games out there that it's like, man, I don't even know if I want to watch this. And I mentioned the opposite mark, and don't worry if you don't have a play here, but what do you make out of the total of 77 and a half that we've got in Arizona versus UCLA? Because I know that Arizona has been terrible on defense. I think this might finally be the buy point on the under though.
7: Yeah, I think so too. I just think when you look at, you know, it's really about UCLA, right? They're going to dictate the total. Um, they're going to dictate the pace of the game because they're going to be the dominant team here. And I think they're going to score at will and get out to a big lead. And I think Chip in that situation, you know, with USC coming up on the schedule is going to kind of like you want to get in there, handle business, get out of there, use the run game kind of wear down some clock. So I think this is definitely a look to the under. You're not going to catch me, you know, betting on over 77 and a half.
4: Yeah, Ben, we're even seeing now a 78 at DraftKings as well. Boy, oh boy, that has gone way up there. And we're not going to see that high of a total for Thursday Night Football, but we do have some great games coming up this week in the NFL. Tom and Mark are going to be joining me next, as Tom does great work over at Action Network and Mark. Likewise at Yahoo Sports, and we're going to be taking a look at Thursday football and NFL Week 10 next here on the Great Peterson Experience on VSN, the Sports Betting Network.
5: You're experiencing Hoops Peterson himself on VSN, the Sports Betting Network.
4: Warning that this is a product that contains nicotine, and nicotine is an addictive chemical. As this segment of the Greg Peterson Experience is brought to you by Zen Nicotine Pouches, which is the surprisingly simple way to enjoy nicotine. Look, most nicotine products are either too complicated to use or they don't provide the satisfaction that you're looking for, but Zen Nicotine Pouches might surprise you. Zen is made with six simple ingredients and is completely tobacco leaf free. Plus, it offers up to one hour of nicotine satisfaction per pouch. Buy Zinn online or find a store near you. That is at Zinn.com, Z-Y-N.com today. As we're back here on the Greg Peterson Experience on Visa the Sports Bank Network, being rejoined by Mark Drummeller over there at Yahoo Sports and Tom Casali of Action Network. Both do an absolutely amazing job. And we're going to be leading off with you on this one, Tom, as we've got Thursday night football coming about as it is the Carolina Panthers and it is the Atlanta Falcons. Hopefully we could get as good of a game as we did the last time these two teams squared off a few weeks ago. That said, tight line with the Atlanta Falcons. Two and a half point favorites total on this game between 42 and 42 and a half. Do you have any sort of a play here? Because I do think that's a little bit of a tough one, and I don't think we're going to see quite the offensive outburst that we saw the last time these two teams played a few weeks ago.
5: I agree with you. I think there were some circumstances in that game, some weird plays that um, helped the game be that high scoring. They're playing, you know, again, a quick turnaround. And I think that favors the defenses. I know Carolina and Atlanta's defenses are terrible, but Thursday night, short week, just played each other. You know, think about it. If that wasn't a crazy game between those two that they just played, this total probably be like 40. So I think you're getting a a point or two value on this. So I I like the under here. I, I think it's not, listen. I know it's Thursday night football. We're hoping for a better game, like a game that we just saw, but I got a feeling we're going to have another stinker. So a 17-16 <laughs> kind of game. Give me the under 42 and a half.
4: Yep, I don't blame you there. I do think that things are going to be regressing a little bit after you got a very demonstrative offensive performance the last, few, the last time these two teams played. And we're going to throw this one over to you, Mark. I know you've got a little bit of a play on the side on this one, so take me through what you like in terms of Panthers and Falcons.
7: Yeah, we get, you know, two teams in the most competitive uh, division in the NFL. You know, the Carolina Panthers, only two games out of first place. Who would have thought, right? And the Falcons got a share of that first place lead um, with the Atlanta Falcons. And, you know, I watched that wild fiasco two weeks ago. I was on Carolina. I had an early number plus seven, Um, but I did have some money line. So you can, uh, you know, imagine how mad I was watching (laughs) the end of that game. But the one thing I left is, is that, These teams are pretty even, you know, when you look at it. So now I think you get Atlanta traveling to Carolina, you know, on a short week. Um, I didn't see anything in that first game that led me to believe that Atlanta was the better team. Both teams are trying their hardest to allow the other team to win. Uh, You know, it was just like whoever finally took it at the end. And Atlanta was lucky enough to get that done. I don't think they're going to be as lucky here. You know, I think we're getting a little bit of value with Carolina because Walker looks so poor against the Bengals. You know, Bengals blew out this Falcons team too, and we got Walker also threw for over 300 yards against Atlanta's secondary, who is desperately uh, missing AJ Terrell still. So, um, I think Carolina is going to get it done. I agree with Tom. I think we're in for a lower scoring game. You know, there were only 34 points through the first three quarters um, in this first matchup before you know the things kind of got crazy in the fourth quarter, but. Um, I do like Carolina here. Um, I think these teams are pretty even, and I think on a short week at home, they're able to get it done. I think PJ Walker will bounce back and they'll get the victory.
4: I'm right there with you. I do think that it's going to be a relatively tight game, and I do think that after we saw the Atlanta Falcons in the last time these two teams played, it was a relatively tight line there. It's real, it's interesting to see them now as a two and a half point road favorite in this ordeal as well. So I mean it is quite a line move that we've seen on that front. And when it comes to this game, it is one that is sweeping America. Operation Fade Nathaniel Hackett, Tom, you have come on this show, I think, now at the very least, nine times and given this out and You know what? I do not hate it once again. It is the Tennessee Titans. They are playing host to the Broncos. And 24 hours ago, we were seeing the Broncos as a field goal underdog. And money is coming on Denver. They're now between a 1.5 and a a a 2.5 point underdog, depending upon where you look. So now you don't have to worry about three popping up in this game. And I feel like the Tennessee Titans might be the most undervalued team in the NFL. And the Denver Broncos, they just have someone that shouldn't be an NFL coach right now so I like the Tennessee Titans and I have a feeling that you do as well
5: yeah and I'm not surprised listen the Broncos are the Nebraska of pro football I mean every week the sharp money comes in on on the the Broncos that they're undervalued this and that but I I adjust my ratings for all-time bad coaches and I think you're gonna have a huge coaching mismatch here a couple of things like I the market has figured that they have moved with Hackett right the last couple of games really weren't great numbers this time I think we're back to getting a little bit of value here see the thing about the Titans and I didn't think they were going to be good this year I still don't think they're that good but Vrabel is such a good coach and similar to Belichick his teams get better throughout the year I mean you saw them play Kansas City you know blow for blow probably should have won that game and the thing let's take Hackett out of the equation for a second the Broncos continue to have huge injuries. Their center's now out, he's on IR. You know, the defense has lost a lot of people. I just think with the injuries, I think Tennessee at home only laying two and a half, two points now, I agree. It's I think we're going back to the beginning of the year when people thought, hey, the Broncos are gonna be something and the Titans are gonna struggle. I just think you gotta look at it how it is right now. To me, Tennessee is starting to look like that team They looked like a couple years ago where they hit their stride right around now. I think, listen, it ain't going to be a blowout. Broncos games are never a blowout, really, but I think Tennessee wins this by 7 to 10 points at home.
4: Yep, I agree with you, and no doubt about it. The Tennessee Titans have been dealing with some injuries with Ryan Tannehill and company, but still, when you've got Derrick King-Henry back there, it makes all the difference in the world, and right now making all the difference in the world for the Green Bay Packers is that, There is absolutely nobody for Aaron Rodgers to throw to. He's clearly frustrated. It has been a bad, bad year for the Packers, as right now I'm seeing them anywhere between 4.5 and and 5.00 point underdogs. Literally within the last five minutes, we've seen DraftKings go from a 5 to a 4.5. And And Mark, I think that you're going to be fading my favorite team of the Green Bay Packers. And as of right now, I've yet to bet it, but I'm sort of thinking the same thing.
7: Yeah, these next couple weeks, we're really going to find the floor on the Packers because I I think it's over for this team. And I think they're going to start looking towards next year. Um, You know, the game against Detroit, you know, they scored nine points. Detroit, one of the worst defenses in the league. And it wasn't just Rodgers and the three red zone interceptions. They couldn't run the ball. They ran the ball 20 times for only four. I think it was 42 yards. And the Lions entered that game as the. 31st ranked rush defense. So, you know, for them not to be able to move the ball against that team, if they don't have answers against the Lions, they're not going to have answers against this Dallas defense. Leads the NFL with 33 sacks. On the season, has four or more sacks in five of eight games. And the two games that Aaron Rodgers has been sacked at least four times, they're 0 and 2, and they scored seven and 10 points. So, you know, Rodgers doesn't have the receivers there that are going to be able to separate off the ball early. So, Dallas is really going to be able to pin their ears back and come after him, especially if they can't even run the ball now. You know, not being able to run the ball against the Lions, just a huge red flag. I really like Dallas here since Prescott came back. They're top five in EPA per play offensively. Sure, they've played some bad teams, but we've seen them put up big numbers against those bad teams. 49 against Chicago. You know, I think the coming off the bye, McCarthy coming back to Lambeau with a much superior team, I think you're going to see a motivated Dallas team really win with margin here. I don't think this number is, is anywhere near close enough. Probably should be on the other side of seven. Um, I like the Cowboys here to win in a round.
4: Yep, and I'm so glad that you pointed out the Mike McCarthy revenge spot as well. You remember the way that he got canned that game against the Arizona Cardinals where Mason Crosby misses that field goal, and if he makes it, he probably keeps his job for at the very least until the end of the campaign. And, Tom, do you have any sort of a thought in terms of Dallas versus Green Bay? Because also something that I'm looking at is the under. It's going to be a relatively cold and windy day out there in the great state of Wisconsin, and With this Green Bay Packers team, they just have not been able to generate any offense whatsoever. Now having to go up against Micah Parsons and company, I think it's going to be a rough day for the Packers trying to score some points.
5: Yeah, I mean, I've been a Cowboys fan since the 70s, so I I don't bet them that often. But I I agree with everything that Mark said here. And I was on the Packers last week for the exact reasons that he pointed out. I thought they were going to run the ball right down Detroit's throw. I didn't think Rodgers was really going to be a factor in that game because they would just take their two running backs and just exploit that weakness. The fact they couldn't run the ball against Detroit is alarming. This team, I agree with Mark. I think they are flat out finished. They are all done. And, you know, I try to be biased. I don't try to be biased when I look at the Cowboys, but if the Packers can't run the ball in this game and just have to go back and pass, Rogers might not get out of it alive so I think he's mark is correct I think the five's a little short here so I like the Cowboys on the road I just think this Packers team is in a lot of trouble
4: yep I'm in total agreement I think that this Packers team it is in a mess of trouble as well it's been a bad year for them and I don't think that it's going to get better with the Dallas Cowboys on the schedule but the show is always better when you join it Tom you do absolutely terrific work over there at Action Network always do appreciate it thank you
5: thanks for having me
4: Always great to have Tom Casale aboard as we've got Mark Drumheller of Yahoo Sports on as well. And he's actually going to be joining me for another segment as we've got a big fight card that's coming up this weekend in the UFC. He's going to help me break it down next right here on the Greg Peterson Experience on VEASAN, the sports Betting Network. All sports are in full swing, and BetRivers Online Sportsbook is your home for the latest lines, odds, and boosts. Whether you're a football, hockey, basketball, or baseball fan, BetRivers has you covered. Join us every week for new promotions like the Tuesday Hockey First Goal Score Insurance, Friday Night College Football Get Plus Get, you've got Sunday Football Parlay Insurance, and so much more. Head on over to BetRivers.com or download the BetRivers app today, as it is a whole new game. Back here on the Greg Peterson Experience on Visa, and the Sports Bank Network. Mark joined me in the last few segments to talk some football, college, and NFL, but he also does a great job over there at Yahoo Sports. Taking a look at the fight game. And Mark, something that comes that I take a look at with UFC 281. For one, great card. They did a nice job of setting this up, but also take a look at this fight. Chris Gutierrez is gonna be taking on Fred Frankie Edgar and There are just some of these guys in the UFC. I bring up Cowboy Cerrone because it feels like he's on like darn near every card and darn near every card. He gets knocked out. But there's a lot of guys that they were great like five or so years ago. They keep trotting themselves out there. They keep taking losses. Frankie Edgar is someone that falls in that category. I recognize that Gutierrez right now is about a minus 210 to a minus 215 favorite. So maybe you take a look at other ways to be able to try to extract a little bit more money. But it just feels like Chris Gutierrez should be an even bigger favorite than he is.
7: Yeah. And, you know, MMA is a sport where you really got to fade the age as, as these fighters really start aging and getting, you know, in the upper thirties, early forties, you know, you really got to look to fade them. It's really profitable strategy that way, you know, father time, you know, is undefeated. They say, and that's the situation with Frankie Edgar love Frankie Edgar. One of my favorite fighters, you know, his career, the Maynard trilogy, you know, uh, on and on just the BJ Penn fight, you know, but this is the end for him. This is his swan song. It's Madison Square Garden. And I think it's a pretty bad matchup. When you look at Edgar and what made him successful, right? It was, you know, his takedowns and his bounce, his footwork, you know, his movement. And, you know, Gutierrez has powerful leg kicks. I think he's going to attack, um, you know, Edgar's base. I think he's going to use those leg kicks to compromise Edgar's mobility. And I don't think Edgar has the Kind of, you know, strength and acceleration to kind of get the takedowns like he used to. So I think he's going to be a little bit of a sitting duck here. Um, You know, don't know if Gutierrez is going to get the finish, but I think the money line price is short enough here to where there's value. Um, I do think he's going to end up getting his hand raised. Uh, Striking accuracy, Gutierrez 58%, Edgar 40%. So, um, you know, huge advantage there. Uh, Gutierrez has won, uh, hasn't lost in his last seven fights, 6 0 one You know, did did have a draw mixed in there. And and Edgar is a guy who, as much as we love him, you know, he has been knocked out, finished in three of his last four fights. So, um, you know, again, a ton of respect for Edgar and the career he put forward. But this is a spot where we have to fade him. Um, You know, I think Gutierrez, the way he matches up with the leg kicks and compromising Edgar's mobility, it's just too advantageous to pass up. So I'm on Gutierrez here on the money line.
4: And I mentioned perhaps trying to find ways to be able to get a little bit more than just a money line out of some of these because we do have some hefty favorites on this UFC 281 card. And I know you're looking to do that with this one as Molly McCann is going to be taking on Aaron Blanchfield and Blanchfield. Well, I believe that she is the biggest favorite on the card, right around minus $4. You might find it just a little bit lower, but how are you going to be looking to reduce the juice in this one? Because I do think that Blanfield going to be able to take it to McCann, but just hard to lay minus $4 in a lot of circumstances, regardless of the sport.
7: Yeah, I mean, this is an interesting fight in the fact that, you know, you look at McCann and, and her last two fights in the O2 Arena in London, she had, you know, crazy knockouts, spinning elbows and spinning back fists and you know, really highlight real stuff. You know, I know she's, you know, gotten a lot of popularity from that. But again, this is another situation like we just talked of. I I just think this is a really disadvantageous matchup um, for McCann. You know, she goes up against Blanchfield, rising prospect, 23-year-old fighter. I think she's nine and one in her career, you know, undefeated in in the UFC. And, uh, you know, she's, there's a a big, big grappling advantage here with Blanchfield. And I think that she's going to be able to kind of get McCann to the ground and have her way, whether it's, you know, top game controlling and kind of pounding her out or, or you know, throwing a submission on and, 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 you know, tapping her that way. But I think when you look at, you know, women's MMA in general, you know, in these weight classes, you kind of think, hey, a lot of these fights go to decision. You know, there's not a lot of finishing power here. Um, but I think Blanchfield has the, the skill set to where she can finish McCann. Um, I think she's going to be able to get her to the ground and really do what she wants with her. And, you know, the inside the distance price is plus 200, which is a lot better than laying $4. So, um, you know, that's how I approach this one. I think it's it's the best way. I don't think McCann makes it to a decision. I think she's going to come out throwing her, you know, wild striking and, and really kind of undisciplined and reckless. And that's just going to open things up for the submission game of Blanchfield. So I think she's able to get it done here. Um, so I played it inside the distance at the plus 200.
4: Yep, and being able to turn what was minus $4 into a good plus price because the round prop that is currently at 2.5 and, and it's just almighty juicy over at right around like minus $2, minus two ten. I like that outlook, and I know you're taking a look at a plus price in this one. Michael Chandler is going to be taking on Dustin Poirier, and Poirier has done a lot for UFC, but I almost question the wins that he's had over Conor McGregor because he got them late in McGregor's career, maybe those. Weren't wins that maybe were as terrific because McGregor, you can say what what you want about what he's done for the UFC towards back half of his career. Let's call it what it is. He just had a little bit of a fall off. Now he's going up against someone in Chandler that he's really going to be looking to make a name for himself. I think that he's going to be very hungry in this one. And this is one of the shortest round props you're going to be finding as the round prop is at one and a half with the juice right around like a minus 125, minus 130. And I know you're looking to extract some value by taking a look at a decision or taking a look at this, not going to the judges scorecard and looking for an exact way to finish his fight.
7: Yeah, I mean, I think this is, you know, a a fight that Chandler can win. I think when you look at Dustin, you know, if if we just look at these fighters as a whole, he's got crisper boxing, right? You know, much more disciplined, much more cleaner boxing, um, better cardio, better durability. And I think that's why you see this line so wide. But I think Chandler has an opportunity. You know, he has finishing power in his hands as well. But I think... You know, the ace in the hole that he has is his wrestling and his offensive wrestling. And I think he can get Dustin down to the ground, use his top control and, you know, really kind of, you know, make Dustin fight off his back and really kind of, you know, put Dustin in some bad positions. So I just think this, the money line is way too wide. I do think that there's um, a chance that Chandler can win this by decision. That price is plus 800 You know, it thinks it's around plus 750 in some spots still. Um, I think that's worth a little bit of a sprinkle, obviously. But I think it's a winnable fight for Chandler. I think, you know, Dustin, again, I I don't know if he's going to be able to stop the takedowns. If Chandler wants to win, it's through his wrestling. And, you know, I think that this is personal for Chandler because of the things Dustin was saying about Dana White fast tracking him to a title shot and and those things. So I, I think he comes out, he implements the correct strategy, and, you know, he walks away with the win here.
4: I agree with you. I do think that there's a lot of good value on Chandler in many ways to be able to extract that. And let's take a look at the main event for UFC 281. This is the one that everyone is geared up for. Alex Pereira is taking on Israel Adesanya, and Adesanya went from about a minus 170 favorite to a minus 210 favorite. No doubt, it's a little bit of a chalky line, but I think it's very much warranted with Adesanya. I think that should be able to win this fight. I think that he is right now the man when it comes to the UFC. He is going to be able to exert his will in this one. I like Adesanya. I don't know if you disagree with me or if there's some other angle that you're taking a look at in this fight, but I think that he gets the job done.
7: Yeah, I agree 100%. I I think when you just look at these two fighters and, you know, uh, Adesanya, this is going to be his sixth title defense, like, you know, his middleweight champion. And he cleaned out the division. You know, he moved up the fight, you know. Uh, Blahovich for the the late heavyweight title, right? Didn't go his way, but you know, just needed challenges, you know, because because of how dominant he's been, and now he gets one with a guy like Pierre, who, um, you know, was able to kind of, you know, beat him twice in the kickboxing realm, right? You know, back before his MMA career, and you know, I think that just provides Adesanya with more motivation. If you look back into those fights, Adesanya won most of the minutes. Um, You know, lost a a questionable decision in one of the kickboxing fights and the other one, you know, he got caught. Right. But, you know, I think, you know, Adesanya has matured so much and has gone through the experience as a UFC champion and defending the title and fighting all types of different contenders that, you know, he's really ready to kind of take the next step here and, and really put a stamp on his legacy by taking out Pierre. I think he does. I think he boxes him up from range but I think he systematically breaks them down. Um, I played him on the money line. If I were to play, you know, a method of victory, I think it's very possible that Adesanya could finish him in this fight. Um, I think Pierre has power, but I also think Adesanya is experienced enough to where, you know, he can kind of stay out of danger and and really kind of use his hand speed and his kicks to, to, to really break Pierre down. So I like him to win the fight. I played him on the money line.
4: Absolutely, and we always love having you aboard to be able to break down these fights. Mark, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Thanks for having me. Mark does a great job taking a look at UFC over there at Yahoo Sportsbook, and we got a good pro tip from vsun.com slash subscribe. For all of these, if you're finding a chalky money line out there in the UFC, whether or not to take a look at a fight is going to be won by decision or not, a good way to be able to reduce the juice in terms of that. And coming up next, let's take a look at some college basketball for Thursday. Next, right here on the Greg Peterson Experience on VEASAN, the Sports Bank Network.